So hello and welcome once again to another Creation Podcast, uh, joined by Professor Paul Carr. Uh, Paul, if somebody was to stop you in the street and said, uh, hey, I recognise you, what, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, at, at the moment, like you said, I'm Professor of Popular Music at the university here. Mm. I've been here for 16 years. Uh, came here when we were the uh, University of Glamorgan, or part of the University of South Wales was the University of Glamorgan and set up then what was the first popular music degree in, in Wales um, based on the Triforest campus. So I came in as a principal lecturer mm. and, you know, uh, uh, became a uh, professor three years ago. I'm not- noticing with the accent, I, I, I'm trying to think which valley you're from i don't think you're from this around <laughs> these parts um no. you're originally from the newcastle yeah yeah originally from how, newcastle how did how did you end up down here in uh, south wales yeah well it's been a, a bit of a convoluted journey you know uh, yeah. i i grew up in newcastle uh, went to music college there um then as a budding guitar player uh moved to uh, london and uh Made made a living in London, working as a guitar player mm-hmm. um, for ten years in London. Mm. Um, probably most famously, as you know, working with the James Taylor Quartet. Yes, as a guitar player. Yes, um, and various other things. You know, just made made my way, and sort of gradually moved across into teaching. Um, mm. So I then moved to Dorset, and I started my full-time teaching career um, teaching at um, Bournemouth and Poole College uh, where I set up a an early degree course an early popular music degree course there wasn't mm-hmm. many of them around in those days and then uh, like I said before uh, moved to to Wales 16 years ago originally moving for to, the job yeah for the yeah. job yeah. yeah so came here for the job hmm. um, 16 years ago, oh. originally moving to um, Taliban and Usk. Okay, nice. So lived there for 11 years, and I've lived in Merthyr Tidville for the last five. Hmm. So um, have we got used to Wales now? You know, you got used to the people sort of thing? Yeah, but, you know, the South Wales valleys aren't that dissimilar to um, parts of the northeast. If you look at the recent election results, you'll see a, a bit of a commonality between what goes on in Newcastle and yeah. what goes on in the valleys and it's very similar so when you first came to uh, just must have been 2003 something like this when you first when you first yeah. came came here to to South Wales um, I mean I know, I know some of your background and some of the things you've written and uh, I think you're kind of I don't want to get this wrong but I think you're pretty kind of proud of your kind of working class roots and your heritage and, wh- and where you're from and the part yeah. of the world you grew up grew up with you know, we're talking about links between uh, kind of the the northeast, if you like, and and South Wales. Um, has that been a kind of a reaffirming thing for you? Have, you? have you found you know the commonalities quite kind of reassuring over the years? Yeah, I mean, I I, I do find the the, the commonalities really interesting. In particular, mm. in the valleys, there's yes, there's yes. very strong similarities. Mm. Uh, mainly, you know, sort of post Thatcherite mining communities, which are all over the northeast of England and of course the they're all over the valleys as well mm. um, and yeah like you say my research uh, I, I wrote sort of two articles back to back which sort of typify it really the first one was uh, a monograph on Sting which yes. uh, looked very closely at um, 
his relationship with the North and his sort of problematic relationship with his working class background. But but through that, I was also examining my own relationship with the North and my relationship with my working class background. Do you feel, I mean, that's really interesting because, I mean, you're, um, I mean, obviously, I, I know you quite well through the university. You're pretty kind of well-established and renowned academic in your field. Do you think that, that the more your kind of um, hierarchy of sort of academic prowess has increased, do you, did you feel a degree of separation with your kind of roots through that? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, totally. Mm. It, it, it makes you sort of look back and, uh, you know, consider mm. where you've come from. And like you say, I'm proud of where I come from. I yeah. would never want to disguise it, although my accent is inevitably changed because I've, I've softened maybe yeah I've lived away for so long but yeah. you know there's there's I'd like to think there's still a, a bit of a hint there and you know um, after the um, sting book um, I did this really interesting project in Merthyr Tidville where we we put an exhibition on oh. of um, uh, popular music making that had happened in the town was that just because you were living there or was it, I suppose is it as a result of living in and around Merthyr you kind of recognize the uh, breadth of potential kind of storytelling and music content there is that what happened yeah very yeah. much mm-hmm. so uh, you know the uh, interesting it, place Merthyr isn't it it, it, it is and it, it it's a history the musical history I, I just noticed from having mm-hmm. informal conversations with people really that um there was a rich, as you say, storytelling yeah. tradition. It was a really history. significant place in, in well, in, you know, in Welsh history. Looking back over the years, isn't it? A really well, major, yeah, huge major place. You know, mm. but it tends to be associated with, quite rightly, the mm. Industrial Revolution. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it, it's rightfully got its place as part of that. Mm. Uh, so heavy industry tends to be linked in with Merthyr, as mm. does sort of tough sports like you know boxing. But you don't, you, you don't really hear. Uh, I didn't hear a lot of the popular music tradition that came from Merthyr and what I was interested in with that particular project and it it was a sort of an extension of um, what I said before about me trying to understand my own past through um, analysing Sting's music Mm -hmm. Uh, I I did a very similar thing in, in, in Merthyr by basically just giving the community of Merthyr the opportunity to remember their musical past over a 50-year period. Mm. Well, actually, I'm saying a 50-year period. It was over a 20-year period, really, between 1955 and 1975. And, uh, you know, I spoke to all sorts of members of the community who um, remembered that. They donated loads of photographs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had this fantastic exhibition on in in, um, the, the Red House in the town. Which is a wonderful building. Fantastic, beautiful building. building. I mean, if, if anyone hasn't been to the Red House, obviously uh, it's it's not named the Red House coincidentally. Um, it's a kind of a political heritage to that place. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, a couple of years ago, I think I seem to remember Corbyn standing on the on the on the yes. front uh, there and a huge crowd gathering. And if you look around the building, you know, I think Keir Harding, there's, there's, there's pictures of all these famous political figures over the years all around and Nightbev and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a one, wonderful building. What what what? How did you choose that kind of period of time? Um, yeah, the reason I chose that period of time was because it's the time period that is being forgotten. Mm. 
especially the the early one you know mm. uh, people who remember 1955 and when I say remember it I mean we're engaged in, in music at that now, time suppose, really. they're, they're, they're yeah. in their 80s mm. so mm. it felt quite urgent to to meet some of those people and to get their memories of what the music while he, scene while you could while I could what mm. the music scene was like in Merthyr at the time mm. and all sorts of things emerged you know uh, I got some incredible photos of skiffle bands and big bands uh, mm. and you know moving forward into the 60s you know we we got evidence of bands like Pink Floyd playing in Merthyr Tidville wow I didn't know that um, the Small Faces where did they play? They, they played in what was the Castle Cinema okay uh, which is no longer there but it's you know, it's the space where like the um, capital used to be in Cardiff, I suppose. That kind of you know the big space for the entertainment events. Yeah, well, the the Castle Cinema eventually became what was called the ABC Cinema, and mm. ABC cinemas were all over the UK, okay. and they were used quite often. They doubled as music ven venues, usually on a Sunday evening. So on those Sunday evenings in Merthyr, and uh, there was a period in the sixties when, mm. like I said before, um, you know, uh, Pink Floyd played there. Um, they were actually supporting um, a band called, um, uh, oh, it was Peter Frampton's band, uh, The Hood. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Pink Good Floyd memory, were actually yeah. supporting. Um, yeah. But Herman's Hermits with Peter Noon, hmm. they they played there, The Small Faces, Love Unlimited. Wow. Uh, and I try to capture memories of that and try to get evidence of photographs and, you know, I got photographs of autographs and mm. um you know dave gilmore um in what was the castle cinema yeah and the castle cinema of course is the very place where mirtha rising takes place yes opposite the red house so yeah. these things have got sort of political resonance yes they and do. uh you know they're they're, they're an important part of mm. welsh musical history which is mm. uh, largely forgotten so i wanted to try and expose that really it's, I mean, I, I, you know um, that I've got a, kind of a, a, an attachment, if you like, to Merthyr Tidville because I've been helping them with, mm. with, with a bid for a community radio license, yeah. which has actually been successful. Mm. So, Congrats. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah, which is great. Uh, and that's going to be happening uh, in the new year. Uh, they have to get on air within a year. This is the way these things work. Mm. But great news for Merthyr Tidville because... And I've been working at the university for nearly 18 years. Mm. I was also at Trafores before we came down here. And I always had this beer in my bonnet about Merthyr Tidville because of the history and the heritage of the place. And, you know, we look at the Three Gs project, which were from um, Gernos, uh, Georgetown, and I can't remember the other one, but it's a more of a Welsh type name. There's three places that I'm a G anyway in, in, in Merthyr. Yeah. And when I went around there, and, you know, you said about the kind of political resonance of, of Merthyr Tidville is um, the kind of attitude of people to fight back. Yeah. And to kind of give a toss, you know, yeah. which, which exists in Merthyr and a kind of that, that activism and, and passion to kind of represent their community um, and, and the stories that were there. So people who had these photography projects, you know, and they're all about certain parts of Merthyr Tidville and the Gurnos and all the difficulties it's had over the years, you know. Yeah. It's just a really fascinating place. And I always thought, yeah, this place really need, it needs two things, right? Two things that are close to my heart. One is it needs a, 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 a football league site. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, which uh, which it doesn't have at the moment, of course, and also needs needs a community radio station mm. because what a community radio station can do, in, this, in the same way that you're doing there, really quite a lot of parallels of other sort between what we do 
is um, about storytelling and kind of personal histories and intergenerational stuff, you know, and what was it like in the mind's granddad or great granddad, you know, that kind of stuff, capturing those stories while you can. Absolutely. You know, that stuff is community and it is community radio and it is community media. So those stories are kind of priceless, aren't they? They, they, they are. And, and, and I think it's so under, so, so important to get the younger generation to understand those traditions. Uh, we did that as part mm. of the project. We mm. got some schools involved and they yeah, reenacted some of the memories, you know, uh, huh. lots of lots of memories. Some of them, the nondescript, such as, you know, waiting outside of a venue after you'd missed your last bus home uh, to yeah. the Aberfan disaster. Mm. You know, people remembering... Um, you recorded this stuff, did you? Uh, it uh, In photographic oh. um, detail, mm. but... No the, audio? Uh, there was no audio of this particular oh. event. It was at Theatre Zoa. Mm. And nice uh, it was it was beautiful. Uh, the, it was it was fantastic to, to see these uh, young uh, children um, resonating with the stories of these uh, people who were fifty years older. Yes, and yeah, I love that. Uh, and 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 I think it's vital, you know, where your your role models need not be, um, you know, the people who you see on TV and radio, but they can actually be local. Yeah. Uh, and but to do that, we need to make people understand what they are. I think one of the one of the bands you were talking about was it the Bystanders. Was, yeah. was that with Owen Money, was he involved in that? Right? He was for a yeah. short while. Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, yeah, he was around right at the start, and yeah. uh, and he's a bit of a kind of a, uh, a, a kind of a popular cultural kind of figure from Merthyr Tidville area, I suppose, isn't he? Really, he is. Yeah. He, he he is, and uh, you know, he, he obviously went from being in the Bystanders to working his way through to mm. radio and, 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 and TV and he's he's a sort of a Did you interview him? Uh I, I did the Owen Money show on oh, did BBC Radio uh, Wales. Nice. So yeah. he knows about the project yeah. Yeah. and yeah. uh he uh, yeah, he obviously resonates really closely with it because he's part of it. He's yeah he's in some of those photographs that mm. I, I was telling you about. He's still playing now, and you probably know he hasn't been very well. I do. Yeah, I believe he's. I believe he's on the men. But um, yeah. uh, another guy who plays who plays in his band, a band called the Wrinklies. Yeah, because a bunch of old gents, you know. Yeah. One of them is a, a chap called Gwyn, Gwyn Jones, Quincy Jones. I know him very well. Yeah, Gwyn's a great guy, and of course, uh, within a few weeks of Owen having his problems, Gwyn also um, had uh, a major health issue. He did, and is now just. I think that was a couple of days ago. I got out and escaped yeah, he, from the hospital, so, he, which is great. He sent me a Facebook message today, bizarrely oh, enough. He's a great, he's did, a great guy. Did Gwen. Gwen. He's, yeah. uh, Loads he's, of stories, as you know. He, he, yeah, he's a great storyteller himself. Yeah, and yeah. he's yeah worked with Owen for many years. But he yeah. he did he spent a lot of time working on the cruise ships as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he's a really you know well-rounded, good musician, good drummer, yeah. good keyboard player. Yeah. He, he writes, he, he he reads and writes music in the traditional sense. You know, he did you hear about his new book? Did he tell you about his book? No, don't know about that. He's it's, got this new book which is to, to do with um, it's to do with music and keys. And oh, how okay. it kind of like like everyone, it's like a mathematical equation, I suppose, for how to create music. You should ask him. I'll about ask, him. ask him about it when when you see him. Yeah. Talk, talking about music, as we are to a large extent here today, uh, you said it, but you you made it sound as if you know it's just like a casual observation that you know I went to London and started making money money out of music. It's not that easy to do that, is 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 it? 
No. Yeah, no. So yeah, that no. must have been a battle, and I guess you went through some pretty hard times. Could you talk me through how those those times and how it, you ended up playing with the James Taylor Quartet and sure. touring Europe and yeah. selling records and everything else? Yeah, well, obviously when I moved to... My, my first gig when I left music college was um, in the Middle East. It was actually in Dubai. Wow. So I, I and I'd never been um, uh, out of the UK. So uh, my first uh, experience of uh, a non-UK culture was um, was Dubai, which would been quite different in those days, I it, guess. This was in 1984. Yeah. So you know, you're talking about a long time ago. And that wasn't a Newcastle band. It was a band that was partially based in London, which is the reason I mentioned it. That the bass player, mm. a friend of mine, Gary Cribb, um, himself a you know really excellent bass player. When I came back from the Middle East, I um, I, I moved in with Gary uh, as a as a means to get to London. I knew nobody apart from Gary. He's from Newcastle too. No, he? no, he's a he's oh, okay. a born and bred um, uh, London well, on, on the outskirts. Uh, it was um, actually in Erith and Kent. Okay, um, where where this was, so it was a short commute. So yeah, at that point, like I say, I I didn't know anyone, and the the way that I got my first gigs, I had a demo tape of a band that I uh, had worked with in Newcastle playing my material, and I'm sort of admitting my secrets here. <laughs> that I I went around these venues uh, pretending that that band was based in London, right. so g gave the venue owners the cassette, and uh, quite often I got a gig, hmm. and then when I got the gig, I booked a band to do the gig uh, quite often with you know usually with people I'd never met and quite often I didn't meet them until the day of the gig uh, luckily because I read music yeah they were all reading were they? they were all readers yeah, so yeah. people for example yeah. that's how I met um, uh, Lawrence Cole the bass player that, from Swansea well known internationally renowned bass player Lawrence mm -hmm. and Dean Thomas from Cardiff uh, I work with both those guys in, in those days playing uh, you know some strange gigs, really tough gigs in Brixton and all these sort of things. And uh, I give I, us one we know. Uh, uh, the, all that was there. There was one on Cold Harbour Lane, yeah. and I can't remember the name of it. It's their Millwall, isn't it? It was it was a it was a tough gig. I can't remember the Atlantic. That was the name. If anyone yeah. remembers that. Yeah. And anyway. I started to sort of, you know, get in with the London jazz scene at, at that point. And I started to work in the West End of London. It, uh, I eventually got a, a residency um, in, in, on Drury Lane in this place called the Talk of London, where I was playing with all sorts. Of, in fact, I became very friendly with um, Carl Wayne at that point, who was the lead singer in The Move. He sang mm -hmm. Blackberry Away. Carl. First ever uh, single on Radio One, wasn't it? Was it really? Uh, I think. Yeah, Carl was, was a lovely guy. Song? Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, lovely guy, and mm. and he had great stories to tell about. You know, he knew Roy Wood really well. And yeah, all. yeah, yeah. And on one of the gigs that I was, uh, uh, where I was travelling to that gig, um, I at that point I'd moved to Croydon. I was living in Croydon, uh, driving to um, across Waterloo Bridge. And this guy called James Taylor came, comes on the radio uh, being interviewed uh, GLR? By, uh, it was, no, oh, he was being interviewed. It was on the Acid Jazz, uh, on, on jazz, jazz FM it was on. Right. And I mentioned Acid Jazz because he was being interviewed by Giles Peterson. Yeah. And uh, he just mentioned his brother, his brother had left the band and he mm. wanted a new guitar player. 
So being the entrepreneurial type of guy that I is, the following day I rang up Polydor Records, wow. t- got on the phone to them yeah. and said, I, I'm a guitar player, I, I want the gig. Um, can, any any chance of having a, an audition? Yeah. So uh, the wow. rest is history. I, wow. I uh, a week later or something, I got a I got an audition across in Greenwich. And who would um, you have spoken to at the? Re- I know I don't mean the person. I mean what what kind of what kind of role would they have played at the record label? Well, I I think I originally A&R spoke guys, to the A and R department, and they then mm. put me in touch with a guy called Eddie Puller. Now Eddie was Giles Peterson's um, uh, partner in crime. If you want to call it that, when uh, they put was together he a music manager, Eddie Pillar, he, yeah, went on to become yeah, yeah. he yeah. he was yeah. the co-founder of Acid Jazz Records, yeah, yeah, yeah. with with Giles. Peter Yakimiak talks about Eddie yeah, Puller. he would. Yeah. Well, Peter yeah. knew a lot of yeah. my history when yeah. I came here because yeah. he's, as you know, fascinated by. He's it. so well into that um, yeah. that that scene, yeah. and uh, yeah, I got to the interview and uh, obviously the audition, I should say, and obviously Jamie's playing the playing the Hammond but in some weird little kind of rehearsal room it was yeah across in Greenwich a little rehearsal room and uh, Steve White was on drums the wow uh, not not a bad drummer. Uh, not a bad drummer uh, he just left the style council wow and uh, so me and Steve uh, were in the band for about the same time we were in for about a 12 month period so like you said we, we how, went, did you, how did you sorry uh, Paul how, so this rehearsal I'm just thinking, thinking uh, yeah. yeah what what, how did that work? Did you was he like you know this is the tune? This here's the sheet music. Did you have to busk a bit? What you no, have to do? Jamie doesn't read music, so yeah. I got sent a copy of uh, their most recent album, okay, uh, which was Wait a Minute, mm-hmm. which was the album with um, Starsky and Hutchron. What year was this now? This was in 1988. Okay, so uh, I, I I had to learn that that album because we we vinyl. Uh, it was on cassette. Oh, was it? Wow. It was okay. on cassette. I was yeah. sent it on cassette. Uh, and Difficult to fast forward and rewind the right place. Yeah. As well. So learned the parts. Mm. Did did the audition. I think mm. three three weeks later we were we were on tour. Wow. Um, and it, that was what I quite often describe as being the Starskin Hutch tour because they were to, they were promoting the Wait a Minute album on mm. on that tour, and then. During the course of that period, we recorded a few singles, a mm. couple of EPs, and uh, the album Get Organised came out of that, which was probably Jamie's jazziest album, looking back at his career. I mean, he's gone on to, you know, bigger and better things since then. He, he's, he's doing some amazing stuff, yeah. you know, with the, he's really becoming a, a totally schooled musician, you know, working with big bands and choirs and... He, he, he's a fab guy. I, I I like Jamie a lot. Were you with Were you with the James Taylor Quartet when they played the Cardiff Music Festival outside the City Hall? Um, I played in Cardiff quite a few times. With the, the, remember, remember uh, the Cardiff Summer Festival it used to be outside the City Hall, but you know where the, where, where the Winter Wonderland is these yeah, days. I do. They used to have a, uh, an annual festival, and James Taylor Quartet definitely played there. It might have been 94, 95. Oh no, that's after then. me. Yeah, okay, that's after me. A lovely I, Hammond organ. Maybe right in thinking that. But that sounded like right, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, my memories of coming here, most of the gigs, mm. the early gigs anyway, were actually down with which it's now called Cardiff Bay. And yeah. in, in those days, it wasn't Cardiff Bay, it was no. docks, you know, it was the, the, the docklands and Cardiff. And all the better for it, in my opinion. But there you go. Yeah, it was, you know, pre, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, all of the renovation that had taken place. And, 
Um, but yeah, you know that that, and during that time, I I was continuing to do Casablanca, other, Casablanca. The Casablanca. Did you play Casablanca? Yeah, my memory is really bad. With, that would have been probably the gig you would have put. Or, would, or would, was it pubs or was it was it clubs or mainly clubs? Casablanca, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, there was a Cardiffian in the band at that time hmm. when we played in Cardiff the first time. Um, Chrissy Jenkins was in the band. Chrissy Jenkins, uh, who, he's a keyboard player. He's a percussion player. Percussion player. Chris, Chris still lives in um, still lives in Cardiff now. K R I S, Chris. Is that it's, right? It's K. Yeah. It, it's Chris yeah. with a with a yeah. with a K. So, so uh, yeah. he went on to be a uh, you know uh, quite a well known producer, and it uh, uh, moved from London to Cardiff many years a, ago. You still in touch with him by any chance? Uh, oh, believe it or not. I'm embarrassed to say that we've corresponded via email, but in the 16 years I've lived here, I've not, I've shamefully not met up with Chris. Well, if you come back on, if you come come back in for another interview at some point, I'll have to get him in. Please bring him in. Yeah, be great. I'd like to, because yeah. he, he, he he is. It'd be nice if you just see him from anything else, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd like to I'd like to catch up with him. Um, yeah, and then you know um, I realised I suppose during that time that I didn't like being away from my family. I toured so much that particular year. I think I'm months and months and months away from home, yeah. and um, that was the the sort of instigator, I suppose, that moved me uh, towards uh, becoming a an academic. Strange. Okay. Um, was it, yeah, that's a bit of a weird leap, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I I I just thought I, what can I do if I'm gonna not. Uh, if I'm going to have security and if I'm going to be in one place and I went through a variety of different options and I I actually started off thinking okay I'll be a school teacher uh that 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 wasn't going to end well (laughs) (laughs) I uh I lasted uh, I I did that part time for about a year but it was Mm. very hard yeah I taught in a north London school and it was really hard and Mm. at that time luckily uh, uh popular music was just in its infancy um uh, there were what what became the National Diploma in Popular Music. Mm. At that point, there was only two of them in the UK, and I think I set the third one up okay. in in Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took over from a friend of mine, Dave Marchant. He had developed, he started to develop it, and I came in and and, and took off, took over and finished it off. Mm. And that was the start of my gradual transition from being a, you know, a. a, a freelance guitar player to a to an academic i i sort of gradually just kept you know i did my phd a few years after that and and uh moved on from there because of course uh we got damon Minchella who who yeah who, who's here at the at the university of south wales and you mentioned steve white earlier because played with steve many yeah, times many times and he he made the same transition yeah. and uh, I'm trying to, what, what's the name of the guy now from uh d ream the 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 scientist guy Who's uh, who does all the, the um, talks about the planets and everything else? You know the guy. I mean, you'll get there before me. Very oh. famous guy came out of came out of D Ream and, and is now. Oh um, yeah, of course. I does know all the mean. science fiction, uh, not uh, yeah. the science fact, rather. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was playing next door at the a, a, arena quite yeah. recently, uh, yeah. and 
we're mm. Steve we're about the same age right? uh, mm. I, I'm also absent minded <laughs> I can't remember his name <laughs> I'm killer, I, I, it's killing me now I can't think of his name we'll but question the order we'll, yeah. it'll, it'll somebody come to will us. know it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so, so kind of he's so, he's so kind of famous he is um, but this thing with music I mean here we are in Cardiff you know the capital city of Wales you know and, and um, we're at the atrium which is this lovely kind of concrete jungle of academia in the middle in the middle of Cardiff um, and obviously you're heavily involved with, with popular music how do you kind of um, and I know you've written a lot about this and I know you've got events coming up how do you kind of uh, visualise where we're at with music particularly in Cardiff at the moment is it in a healthy state yeah I mean uh, I think we're at a really interesting point in um, the the live music scene in Cardiff at the moment mm. um, because I've been researching because I come from a background as being a gigging musician one of the first things I thought about researching was um, live music so I, I did I think my first bit of commissioned work was about 10 years ago for what was the Welsh Music Foundation looking at the Welsh music the live music sector in in Wales, looking at ways of improving it, and I and I went on to publish another couple of things uh, not long after that. And at that time, the frustrating thing was that um, uh, Welsh government didn't seem to be listening to anything uh, that was that was happening. The Arts Council were listening to bits. Uh, the Welsh Welsh government were didn't seem to be listening to much at all. Where now I think we've sort of captured the zeitgeist for for this because uh, of course you know recently uh, there's been uh, quite a lot of uh, evidence giving into the live music industry in Wales, in, including from yourself, uh, including from myself. Yeah, mm. I gave evidence about six weeks ago, and there's been quite a lot of other people, not not just academics. And in fact, there's not been many academics doing it. Most people quite rightly have been people who are involved in the live music sector in Wales mm. giving evidence on how uh, uh, Welsh government can better support it uh, so I, I think just the fact that that's happening and I think this has come off the back of obviously the Womanby Street campaign yeah. that, that happened recently and of course and in Goody Cardiff Hugh, of course. Yeah. and Goody Who, of course yeah, yeah. If, of course the, you know, there's been so many closures of yeah. venues I mean you mentioned Goody Hugh, but mm. You know, for me, one of the saddest events I've witnessed during the time I've lived in Wales is seeing the Point close. Yeah, uh, the lovely venue. It was a beautiful venue. And Where you started playing all those years ago, around the corner. It was yeah. in that area. Yeah, exactly that area. And and to see that venue close it was really sad. I I, I uh, mm. you know it, and and it was because of something that that really is avoidable. You know that that a block of flats were built close by and noise abatement they, they couldn't control the sound so the venue was closed that has to stop and and it, it's it's good to see that the woman street campaign has is is highlighted that problem hmm. and um uh, welsh government have, have um you know taken that and many other things on on, on board so i i'm, I'm optimistic I, I presume off the back of this evidence there'll be some recommendations and there should be and there has to be some well, action to be to be um uh, i'll say this but because i i fight for community radio throughout wales yeah in the same way you fight for musicians and music throughout wales i also spoke at the senate uh, uh, about community radio yeah and there were some recommendations made uh by a very sympathetic and understanding uh committee 
We even came to the university last summer to get to, to, to talk to the community radio stations. But unfortunately, um, the response from the Welsh government to that has been people like lukewarm. Right. And, you know, it, 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 you've got just this kind of things, you've got to keep on kind of lobbying and hope that the message get across. But it's kind of pointless and self-defeating, but which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. We talked about the election results just now. It doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to be decent, continue to care, continue to battle and continue to, to be active. But if you have a legitimate argument, which is presented, and then it's totally ignored, stroked, undermined or filtered down, yeah. you do start to bang your head against a wall, don't you? And it does matter, doesn't it? It it, it does. And it, it you're right. I mean, you know, if government don't support it, it doesn't mean to say that we as you know, stakeholders in community radio or mm. live music mm. shouldn't engage with it, but it really does need government involvement. And it's the same thing, you know, if I may sort of mention um, uh, popular music education. Yes. One of, one of my other uh, real sort of interest points uh, um, is, first of all, that everyone has access to music, equal access to music, regardless mm. uh, how much money you've got. In, in 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 your parents bank accounts you should have access to music but secondly that that education should uh not just include music from the classical tradition hmm. but it should include popular music and by popular music i don't just mean playing the music i mean the correct sort of assessment of that music and at the moment that isn't taking place in wales and it's not taking place in england either in in to the level that i would like it to happen and um, it isn't going to happen unless government take up the recommendations. And you, you can have as many reports into it, as many conversations yeah. about yeah. it, and, 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 and unless government has the will to make these things happen, they won't happen. And hmm. and I suppose all we can do is keep on trying, really. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's another there's another um, strand to that conversation talking about kind of devolved powers and everything else and god knows what the next five years are going to bring us yeah uh, now but uh, like i've spoken at the senate i find it a really nerve-wracking and weird experience uh actually um i'm trying to think of the name the very controversial guy i have to speak to is my first thing i didn't know what to expect but and I, I know you've done it as well but i would imagine one of the things they probably asked you was why does this matter you know why why does why does uh, the kind of if you like um uh, the music ecology in cardiff why does it matter? Why does music matter? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, grassroots music is just so important to the sort of ecosystem of, of music mm. more generally, you know. The, the 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 top end of the market, you know, next to where we're sitting now, you know, the... Motor Point Arena. The, the Motor Point Arena, yeah. you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Live, Live Nation are stakeholders in that. Mm. And, and, you know... The, the top end of the market people are prepared to pay 40 pound a ticket and you'll get 10,000 people go and see the right act uh, it's monetized it'll make plenty of money how much of that money stays in Wales I don't know uh, but mm. we're not we're not looking at a Welsh company here we're looking at a uh, well the American I think um, Live Nation American based yeah. company mm-hmm. um, and Obviously, you know, those sort of venues are very sort of aspirational for young people who go to them, but there's nothing like having a a, a live music sector which is in touch with the people where um, it's more grassroots based. But it, it it's so important to sort of 
develop the talents that of of the the various aspects of musicianship it could mm. be sound engineering but it's also performing styles it's also giving the audience the opportunity to understand that going to see live music is important but you know there's issues with monetizing these um these small venues you know yeah. ranging from the rates that the um from the venue owners have got a, a pay to landowners that's one of the big things mm. and and you know i know from personal experience uh, with my um my, my son who's a, a a musician you know it's mm. very very difficult to get any money we should, at we should name check rory Carr at that point yeah yes. yeah rory calls my my son guitar yeah. player mm. sort of working his way through as a freelance guitar player at the mm. moment but it's very difficult to make any money because a lot of the gigs just don't pay, so well, it's hard. On 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 that topic, because I know we, we you want to talk about a couple of events you got coming up, academic events. You've also got a a, a very interesting book mm. just about to come out where, where we can talk about what the front cover should look like and yeah, anything else. Okay. But um, I'm just going to ask you about uh, to be the devil's advocate. I remember uh, you you brought brought a chap called Paul Long from Birmingham to talk yeah. here about uh, music orientated in fact in his case it was to do with rock music yeah actually um and particularly in the in the midlands i think i'm right in saying yeah birmingham yeah, yeah. but uh and I, I played the de- you know sometimes i play the devil's advocate but I, I asked the question and i mean it genuinely i mean i i've, I've played in bands since i was you know 16 17 or whatever mm-hmm. um which is quite a long time as you might guess and not to your level but still performing writing playing etc mm-hmm. i generally much prefer to perform original music um, but it's very, very hard for original musicians to to get gigs, yeah. to get paid, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, for, for venues to, to give them the gig. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I could ask, is there, and and then of course, you know, uh, with with streaming and Spotify and all the rest of it, you know, no point, no point one, whatever it is, you know, a, a million pounds, you, know, you get five pence, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is almost makes you question the the actual future really uh, for uh, prog- progression for new musicians to actually hang in there long enough to get there you know yeah, yeah it's, it's a true. difficult difficult road now isn't it? It, it it is I mean it's never been easy you know um, mm. I think it depends how you look at it you know it, it, it wasn't easy when I was young but I mean you know I did I, I started making a, a decent living from music when I was 17 mm. and I at, at that point I mixed it I, I played uh, two or three nights a week in working men's clubs in in in, in Newcastle. Doing um, the covers, doing all the all covers, yeah. no original music. That's at how all. Phil Campbell started out, by the way. Uh, by, yeah, uh, Phil Campbell from from Motorhead started yeah. out as a drummer, funny enough, working in working men's clubs up yeah. and down the valleys. Yeah. It was a great training ground. Hmm. But I also played, you know, in the early sort of instances of the new wave of British heavy metal. You know, playing. I was into metal music so uh I, so was i at the time actually yeah so but you know those gigs we, tigers of pang tang and all that stuff yeah well i auditioned for the tigers of pang tang wow. i never told you about that no. but I, I did i didn't get the gig are they from the northeast as well yeah right? yeah, 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 yeah 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 i they they were based in tynemouth the uh, the um wow. john sykes got the gig that i um, okay who went on to play with iron maiden and yeah yeah <laughs> you know all that all that stuff um mm. but but yeah, i suppose what i was saying was the um, you know, you you didn't get much money, but you did get money for playing a little bit of money for playing. It's always been less, and you accept that. But I think it's an educational thing where audiences have got to learn to take chances 
in order to come and see a band who are prepared yeah. who are playing um, original music that you may not be um, accessing on the radio or in fact it might have even got as far as iTunes or Spotify mm-hmm. um, but it's the value of that experience of seeing something live mm. with, uh, and, and quite often it can be you know a, a band that's in development you, you, you're sort of seeing them in real time develop their craft develop their songs mm. and to me that's almost a sacred thing to see it's a beautiful thing to see but you yeah i totally agree with you um but we we you know much as even at my level I, you know feel humble to say this to you but we're both kind of musicians and it's and we play music mm. but um there's no obligation on the audience to be receptive to new music or, or to take in, in interest in anything that they don't know and you know when we can't make them do that so we, is it to do us towards subsidies it should it be subsidized you, by you know i mean we're talking yes. about this new, new this new um kind of committee for for music in cardiff is that the way forward to subsidize and 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 you know um support yeah indigenous music yeah i mean there is there are some um support mechanisms in place for popular music already you know you've got mm. the forte project for example which yeah. is amazing mm. uh, more sort of valleys based but you know given great advice and opportunities to 10 young bands every year yeah and then you've got the you know the horizons mm-hmm. projects that are that, that are going on you've got anthem uh but they they tend to be one-off bits of money that assist bands at particular points in their career Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to see something more along the lines of the way that Welsh National Opera is um, funded Mm -hmm. where you know that that may not get big numbers Mm. Uh, and if if it was if the 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 orchestra and the musicians were paid purely on the entrance fee of the people attending they would not be making a very good living so it's it's recognized by government and the Arts Council by default as being an artistic practice of merit and consequently they provide money to support it and I think um, you know popular music is in that bracket it 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 it, it's clear that because of the things that we've mentioned high rates um, Mm. you know so on and so forth there's not a lot of spare cash to pay musicians Mm. in those sort of live music uh, small grassroots venues although I, I think more could be done um, but I think support is 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 important to 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 have it there so that uh, whether it's a Welsh speaking band or an English speaking band yeah. there is support available to help these um, young artists develop their careers that's that's my thoughts. Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned Womanby Street earlier, and of course, uh, you know the Moon Club being the, no, the notable kind of uh, kind of credible venue, I suppose. And there's Fuel and there's Club Eva, of course, in a different kind of scale. But the thing about the Moon, where I was talking about in the Moon Club, is you know lots of bands you never heard before playing original music. It's free to get in. Mm. It's also free to get out, of course. But yeah, but there you are when you're playing. But um, you know, and it's, it's a proper kind of proper music venue kind yeah. of thing. And you know, and they, to their credit, they, they they pay they generally pay pay the bands, mm. not a king's ransom, but they pay the bands. But that's the kind of thing maybe you know maybe aspirationally some sort of committee looking for music in Wales. 
maybe that's the kind of support kind of grassroots venues like that up and come in where so people don't come through the door but they can still afford to pay the bands so therefore you've got that rooted progression for up-and-coming musicians you know absolutely so mm. so that the young musicians can or it may not be young musicians I, it could be yeah. any musician i don't want to put an age on it you know yeah. it's 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 if you want to play live music in venues such as that mm. um you know I, I would argue that you know they need at least the minimum wage and and by the minimum wage i don't, I don't mean just for the two or three hours they're there you know that it, it's quite often hours of rehearsal yeah. to get to the point that you're there sound checks and all the rest all, of all of that digging stuff. your gear out the early hours of morning yeah that yeah. needs to be recognized yeah. and it, it it really should be it, sometimes you know I'll, I'll not mention any names and it, it it isn't a venue in cardiff it's it's up up the valleys actually um and it's not a traditional venue but there's one instance of a you know a major retail provider asking young bands to play for free um and to me that's disgusting i i i i think really strongly about it and it's because there's this notion that music is free you can do the same yeah. you can go on, you can go it? on youtube and yeah. listen to whatever you want yeah. you can have a free version of spotify if you're prepared to put it with a few adverts yeah so consequently you know for a bit of exposure inverted commas you know, we expect you to come and 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 um, you know expose your hard-earned craft to, um, to 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 help us get customers for absolutely nothing, and I think it's disgraceful. It should there should be a law against it. It's it it's not right. Yeah, it's well, almost like us saying, you know, us ringing a plumber up and going, look, I I, I haven't got any money, but will you come around and fix my boiler for free, uh, just for the experience. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's exactly the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's an insult to. The I can lend you some tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, tot- yeah I totally totally agree with you. Mm. I, I mean, I think that hopefully, I don't know what the committee is going to achieve. I think it's great that there is a committee for Card- music in Cardiff. Yeah, it is the capital city. It does have a heritage of live music. We've seen venue seen venues go under. You know, up and coming bands need to be supported, otherwise they'll have to stop being up and coming bands. So we'll see how that one shapes up. Yeah. Can we move on to your 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 new book, the one for which we're still looking for this cover? Cover. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that and when it's is this one in July? Is that right? Yeah. 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 It's just been submitted to the publishers literally mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called the Bloomsbury Handbook in Rock Music Research. Mm-hmm. Bit of a mouthful. Um, and it's an edited collection of um, 33 chapters from academics, literally from all over the world. So we've got academics from um, New Zealand, Australia, um, obviously the, the, the UK, um, Denmark, uh, the, loads of places. Um, um, North America, tons of people from North America uh, have submitted chapters, and it's the first book of its type in 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 uh, in in the academic community to sort of examine rock music, looking back over its fifty sixty year history, looking at various aspects of its phenomena. If it's if, if it, so, you know, we're looking at things like um, gender. We're looking at things like um, technologies, how that's impacted it, um, instrumentations, genre and style, um, education, 
and the list goes on it's it's mm. it's multifaceted um i'm editing it with a, a friend of mine a guy called alan moore who alan's probably uh, you know if not one of if not the sorry 100 percent one of the most the most influential um popular music scholars that there is he wrote a book in 1993 called rock the primary text which is a i think it's in its fourth edition and um it's just an honor to be to be to be editing the book with with alan really it's 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 great so yeah my my chapter is on um elitism in the um, school curriculum how rock is excluded and um, me and alan have also written an extended introduction looking one of the things we look at in that is the perceived uh, death of rock where you know over the last sort of 10 15 years a lot of people it's based on that nietzsche quote that god is dead rock is dead uh and you you, you see a lot of tropes related to that so we spend yeah. a bit of time sort of talking apparently about apparently radio's dead as well you know yeah, yeah that's right and we we look at that you know it, uh, uh, we could spend the whole podcast just talking so about so we're not here are we hey are we here i think well, the, what, I think the last here, time i looked so. we were yeah i think yeah um, so yeah, that's the book. It it mm. it's with the publishers, and it it's due to come out on um, uh, the thirty first of um, July. Now, so. is this ta- is this targeting is this targeting academics and those studying uh, kind of pedagogical sort of music related stuff, yeah. or is it wider than that? Or yeah, it's it? not a what I would describe as being a sort of a general it's not leadership a library. book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll you know it's a. Uh, the, these books but certainly when they first come out tend to be quite expensive yeah. Um, yeah. so you see them in libraries you know university libraries in particular mm. um, and it it's it it is aimed at the um, the academic community so the the academic understanding mm. of, um, of 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 rock music and, and if it has the same success as alan's nineteen ninety three book then mm-hmm. obviously then hopefully it'll be a, a go-to book you know for years to come yeah for uh, particularly uh, musicians rock musicians etc absolutely mm. it, it, it 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 it's such an opportune time to look back at rock music because you know over the last sort of five six years we've been celebrating uh, 50 years of all of these classic albums that have been released you know sergeant peppers mm-hmm. and you know pet sounds by the beach boys mm. but one of my favorites frank zappa Last week, his album Hot Rats, um, which was released in 1969, of course, wow, yeah. is mm. uh, now celebrating its 50-year celebration. So it, it just seems like a really good time to sort of look back and go, okay, where are we, you know, in terms of understanding what rock is? What was it? What is it? What will it be in the future? Mm. They're, they're sort of big questions, um, which, uh, you know... Yeah, hopefully people will better look back at it in another fifty years' time and say, "Well, that's the way they thought about it then." When do you have to make a decision on the front cover? Yeah, the cover because this has been a big battle with yourself, hasn't it? I guess with Alan as well. Yeah, I mean, I've Alan doesn't use social media, but I've been, as you know, sort of <laughs> we've market research in the the the, the, the uh, cover shop. Yeah, I've been. The, the publishers have been sending me some ideas and I've been sharing those ideas on social media just to get people's perspectives of what they think. Um, and I think we have come to the conclusion because these images have ranged from the body of a Fender Stratocaster. Is, that, is it a Telecaster, the green one? Uh, the, yeah, there was a, a photograph of a, yeah. of a, of a telly. Yeah. 
a photograph of a um, a band set up on stage yeah. without musicians. Yeah. Um, and there's been a few other ones. Uh, one was actually an acoustic guitar. Uh, and you know what's coming through loud and clear is considering how um, diverse the book is in terms of the various aspects of it. There isn't going to be a single image that no. that covers everything but all images exclude something so for example you know most people a, a book on rock music a, a, a photograph of a gibson les paul or a, um, a fender stratocaster okay that's the archetypal sort of rock image that, that, that those instruments have sort of developed with the history of rock music but how does that depict the technology of rock music how does it depict uh, gender um in 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 rock mm. the answer is it doesn't so yeah. the question i'm beginning to i've posed this to the publishers how do we how do we capture as much as we can in a single image accepting that something is going to be left out um yeah you know that's uh, what I, it's, I quite, it's odd I, I quite like the i i love the i love the green telly anyway i like telly's work but um i like i like that shot of the stage because mm. I suppose you know that maybe is maybe more crossover and generic, perhaps, because you can have various guitars on the stage, you know, and and you know it can be a kind of a space for people to perform. Yes, it's kind of nice, maybe it is, and it looked like a, it, it didn't look like a mega venue that particular no. photograph. It small looked like a small, scale, yeah. yeah, yeah, small sort of medium-sized venue. Mm. Um, I did have some people though. Uh, contact me and this is the beauty of social media going the drum sit the drum kit wasn't set up right <laughs> <laughs> which of course I, i'm not a drummer so i didn't no, recognize that i but. didn't i didn't notice that when so I, no. I thought oh okay we don't want that so but yeah it's an ongoing debate we haven't decided on the cover yet and yeah. I, I but i do know that whatever cover we end up with isn't going to be perfect yeah, you can't please, you can't please them all no can we'll get as close as we can to to, and maybe to, some to of the other shots could crop up in the book anyway i guess yeah there's not many images in the book actually ah. uh there, there are, there's lots mm. of uh, sort of figures and diagrams but not a lot of photographs mm. uh, uh photographs of named musicians uh, are very expensive see if you were if you yes and but if you were targeting um a popular audience as opposed to an academic audience then people love those pictures don't they they do different market they do course. i mean my yeah. sting book yeah. uh, had lots of photographs in yeah. it because it, it was a a book that was intended to sort of straddle the divide between academia and general readership. Successful? Um, yeah, uh, it's certainly the, yeah. the um, you know, mm. the, the most copies of a book that I've sold because it, it, it mm. my previous book was a, a book on Zappa, but again, that was aimed at an academic market. So mm. it came in at £88, I think. Wow. It's in softback now, so yeah. it's £33, I think, in softback. Yeah. Where the Sting book uh, uh, came in at nine ninety nine, so people buy it for Christmas and stuff. And Quite readable. Yeah, I think it is written in a. It's written in a different sort of language to the stuff that I've written in the past, mm. and a very different language to what's been used in this rock handbook as well. I, I remember when when you when you launched that book, and I asked you, you know, a typical Johnsonism daft question, yeah, which you kind of you kind of you didn't dismiss, but you kind of. Um, you uh, batted batted away to a certain extent, but in a nice way. And I'm trying to think of a better way of asking you the question. I think I think I'll ask you this way instead. You know, because we there are popular perceptions of Sting hmm. and what he represents and his kind of um, approach to to music and 
his kind of self-awareness etc yeah so from from starting to write that book during which of course you met him yeah and and then you and then you wrote the book how how did your perceptions of sting and his common perception change if at all yeah well i think i think what i got from it was because i did such a lot of research into his background before he was in the police mm. um I, I i certainly got to know uh you know the 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 sort of local guy did, didn't he grow up quite near yourself yeah, yeah. He, he grew up he's he's older than me quite mm. a bit older but well let's make that clear to everyone let's yeah. make that older sting is older than me everyone he's about a decade older than me mm. not that much older really um but, but in fact he can't be that much older because i actually seen him play in last exit before he was in the police wow uh so i was 14 or something i was in at school in newcastle in newcastle yeah, yeah before yeah. he was famous mm. he, he mm. um uh, you know the he, that was the band he crafted a lot of his songs in mm. but i think um i i got to know the 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 newcastle side of sting the the local sting uh, and I, that's what the book focuses on to be honest mm. it does go through the police in his solo career uh, other books have done that so i the beginning and the end of the book very strongly focuses on sting the northern newcastle guy and uh because that's what the book was centered on that's what i started to understand more i think did you see any parallels to yourself in, in him yo you, you, yeah. ap- apart from the fact mm. he's a multi-millionaire yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and hugely successful yeah um <laughs> apart from those apart from that, apart yeah. from that um i mean certainly you know I think, like I probably mentioned in the conversation we had the last time, this mm. uh, condition, and I did I did speak to Sting about this, this condition, uh, Akenside syndrome, which is this sort of, um, it's a little bit, a little bit like the the Welsh uh, Hyreith, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. it's the sort of love of your home, yeah. um, and and in Newcastle, mm. it, it's slightly different with Akenside syndrome because it's paired up with your rejection of it it's a simultaneous rejection in love mm-hmm. um and uh he he uh mm. he suffers mm. from that and so do i and mm. so do lots of people mm. who i mean you know when i left newcastle in 1984 i couldn't wait to get away from the place i adore the place now uh and it's my home and it's my it's my imaginary home and it is things it 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 he you know he he, he talks about it like that he, he never moved back there obviously but he considers himself a geordie and he's from war's end and he's proud to be from war's end which yeah. is very different from the the narratives he was talking about uh, you know when he first joined the police so it's an interesting phenomenon you know which yeah. i yeah. i continue to sort of wrestle with myself yes it's fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean the but the, the the picture that really resonated with me um, for, is is the one you know the ship at the end of the street. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Bang, yeah. there it is. You know. Yeah, it, and it, it it's an iconic picture of, yeah. yeah, as you say, this ship which was sort of taller than the houses, right at the bottom of the street. Yeah. Um, you know, to be fair, Sting uh, did live in that environment, but it wasn't as close as what he makes out to be. Right, uh, it wasn't. He didn't yeah. look left out of his front door and see that thing at the bottom, but it was very close to where he lived. Mm. And, you know, I think seeing a landscape like that, it can't help but have an impact on you. And, you know, yeah. he, he his show, The Last Ship, sort of deals with that. And it, yes. it, it, it deals with it very well. 
you know, on a musical and narrative level, it's 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 excellent in my point of view. Probably his strongest work. But this is the first time we'd met him during yeah, the yeah. book, yeah. So yeah. It's the first time we'd met him. So, in a nutshell, is ha, ha, has your perception of him changed at all? Having spoken to him and and by writing this book, have you got? a more positive opinion of him has it not changed at all I, I always when, when I was writing the book and yeah. even after I'd met him because like I said at the start I met him near the start I hadn't I was, okay. nowhere, I was yeah. nowhere near finishing the book when yeah. I when I met him um, but I, I did want to stay as detached as possible okay. I, uh, I, I was aware of my own investment in that phenomena that I've just been saying to you yes, and I was yes. aware that he yeah, yeah. also resonated with that mm-hmm. and, uh, but I was determined to try and sort of stay um, detached um, as, as best I can I only met him on, on, the, on the one occasion um, okay. and um, you know I, I don't feel a need to meet him again uh, I, uh, you know I'm, I'm way past the years of being sort of star starstruck and stuff like that he was an interesting analysis object for me uh that's the way i sort of thought of him um and it 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 has a this resonance with this much bigger phenomena which is bigger than me bigger than sting it's a massive phenomena this sort of need for home this how you relate to your to your home and what Mm. that home is you know it's it's a it's a huge sort of exercise in uh, nostalgia which many people engage with. It, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but I won't because we, you know, it's a podcast. But um, yeah. that that idea is, is such an interesting one, and you, I think you chose such. You, you I mean, I'm, I'm I would imagine you wanted to do this for a long time, and you know, you thought Sting has come out of the same kind of roots as yourself, reinvented himself as this kind of multi-layered, um, multi-textual kind of rock star, pop star god, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, and then. He kind of that's his heritage but probably if he went back there he you know the way he'd be received would, would be different to maybe how, how he, 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 he would expect or want and then with yourself you came from that you've come from that you know it's still obviously close to your heart yeah but you're now a professor you know I mean yeah. you, you've yeah. moved up you've got you've published books yeah um, you know you've traveled the world etc etc so it's kind of it's, it's a really interesting uh, case study there, isn't into it, into self in some way. Oh, it's the huge. personal kind of id or whatever it might be, you know. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's. I mean, I'm always you know brought back home. My, my mother still lives in the street I grew up with, a uh, group grew up in. Sorry, so mm. I go back not just to the north, but I go back to the street I was born in. Terraced houses, um, semi-detached. Yeah, um, okay. uh, and you know. Um, that's where I come from. I, I I'll never mm. want to escape that. It's part of who I am. Yeah. And, and and you know, being f- people from South Wales and people from the North tend to hate snobs. And I I yeah I, I I'm an anti-snob guy. You know, although yeah. you become yeah. uh, you get a title or, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, I, I would be disingenuous if I uh, said I wasn't proud of that. I I am, but um, I mm. don't think of it as being a uh, hierarchical thing it's just an extension of who yeah. I was at the start I suppose well we all want uh, to progress don't we we, we, you know, we, we do you don't want diff- to stand still you know yeah you want to mm. you want to um, you know uh, yeah move on develop mm. whatever it is and when when I um, uh, left the life of a professional musician I I wanted to make a 
a life as an academic, whatever that meant. You know, I, I didn't know what it meant hmm. uh, at the time when I started off. But um, yeah, I, I've enjoyed the journey. And and um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that going back to what you said, that that phenomena I think resonates with so many people. Hmm. And in particular, when you get older, I think you know, you get older and you know, suddenly that sort of idea of home, it the return becomes um, more impossible. The return becomes because of life circumstances. For example, I've got two children who aren't Geordies. Uh, they they they're they're, Welsh, are they? They grew up in 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 Wales, yeah, but they yeah. were. Uh, my son was born in Dorset, and mm. my daughter was born in Croydon. So you made sure they're both born hospitals. across the border. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. So it becomes complex, you yeah, know. Yeah, it becomes complex, and it, it's massively complex for yeah. Sting. But it, you know, I, I try to make it clear when I wrote that book, and I even try to make it clear to Sting, it, it wasn't about him. It, it was about this bigger phenomena. Yeah. Um, and he was a, a a means to sort of explore that bigger phenomena more than anything else. Don't get me wrong, I love his music, and I think he's a very talented he's guy. He's a very talented guy. No yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. Um, you've got a couple of things happening in January. I believe one is a you know talking about academia a symposium, and I think you mentioned something else was happening as well in the new year as well. Was it another book or publication or something you're working on? Yeah, the sort of two things that are happening in January. I've got a, a special edition of uh, the journal Popular Music History coming out, which I've sort of edited the collection. It's got six chapters. Um, this is the one about loss, is it? It's about lost history. Yeah. So about lost histories. So mm. um, uh, my chapter is actually on what I was talking to you before about the exhibition in Merthyr Tidville. It's about the history of the lost history of music, of popular music in Merthyr Tidville. Do you talk about the reception of that by local people at all? Yeah, it's yeah. got uh, fo some photos that the community donated and it's mm. got bits of interviews in there Do, have you ever you captured the local reaction to looking back on themselves if you know what i mean uh well what we're going to do when this comes out in january i'm going to go back to the community and do a little talk and yeah have a bit of a reflection on the whole thing because uh, you know uh, yeah. this, is a, this is a weird one you said about Alan Moore. There was another professor Moore. I can't remember his, his. I can't remember his Christian name now. But he's an amazing guy, and he came and gave a presentation here at the university. And he was a guy who was interested in um, sound art. Oh, right? okay. Not, not what we're talking about at all here, mm. but it's it's a pertinent story. Mm. So he um, developed this piece of sound art, and what he wanted to do was that's what I said about gauging the reaction of people to it. He's interested in creating the stuff. But the interest value for him is the reaction to the stuff that he creates. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He, he had this yeah. um, uh, um, uh, a bridge over over a river in Ireland. And um, what, he, what he'd done was, it's a fascinating story, I will briefly write down. But what he'd done was he, he developed these waterproof microphones, stuck them in the water and recorded. Do you know about this, the sound of the river flowing? Maybe you do. No. So no. he'd recorded the river, the flow of the river. I can't remember the name of the river now. I will, I will in a bit. But anyway, he recorded the sound of the river. And then what he'd done was, I mean, how do how, how, how do you record a river, yeah? So he's recorded this river, and then he's, he's fed the sound into uh, a software mm -hmm. and created a sine wave. Wow. Now, weirdly, with the sine wave, the actual sine wave was actually quite tuneful. Mm. Had, a, had a pitch to it, had mm -hmm. a musicality to it, right? Mm. So then he, he, he played this back to, to people, and he had a listening post on this on this 
bridge mm-hmm. going across the river. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, you know, do people think this is just academic kind of ponziness, mm-hmm. or, or do they, or do they, or do they get it? Do they get it? You know? Yeah. And and you know, if you, and that's a difficult question, really. And I don't mean it in a in a critical way, no, but no. it's a real way, you know. Yeah, I understand. In terms of like, we're talking about Merthyr Tidwell, we're talking about Cardiff, we're talking about South Wales, we're talking about Newcastle. Yeah, like working class roots, reali- yeah. reality, and you yeah, know, sure. where we are, can we afford bread tomorrow, and all this stuff. You know? Totally get you. So yeah. he's done all this stuff, and yeah. he said, "Do you know the weird thing was? What about it? Um, local people actually, a lot of people actually really loved it mm-hmm. because this river, well, some of them had scattered their family ashes into it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Yeah. So it's a real kind of um, beauty yeah. to having the river sing sing back to them. Beautiful, really interesting. I love I love that, and and you are right. I think you know you've got to be careful to to you know when you um, do this sort of research to make sure that it's it's relevant and mm. accessible to people. Mm. Um, and I think uh, yeah, certainly the uh, the Merthyr Tidville research uh, resonated massively with the community. I, I really feel that you know it. I'll be interested what they think uh, of this collection because mm. um, uh, what what the collection does it it looks at. Um, in addition to my chapter on Merthyr Tidville, it, it's got a chapter on um, written by Dr. Mike Jones from the University of Liverpool um, uh, on uh, uh, the lost history of a venue in Ebervale. Now, uh, Mike is also a, a, an ex-full-time um, uh, musician. He was in a band called Latin Quarter, hmm. uh, who had a record deal, and you know uh, he's based up in Liverpool, but he's got strong roots in Ebervale. And then we've got a, a, a chapter also written on um, the lost histories of popular music making in Aberdeen in the 90s, written by uh, 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 Anne Cleeton, who is a PhD uh, student at the University of East Anglia. And then the other chapters, a uh, friend of mine, Dr. Mike Brocken, um, who's just retired from Liverpool Hope University, who's a, a world-renowned expert on the Beatles, um, he's written um, a, a chapter on um, lost musical histories of a producer in Liverpool. Has he got any books published about that? Um, about he, the Beatles stuff? Yeah, yeah he's, he's got he's got a lot published, and a lot published on hidden histories in Liverpool. And um, yeah, he's 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 a very well. Um, Mike Brocken. Mike Brocken or Michael Brocken. Mm. Yeah, he's actually a radio DJ now. Is he? He started off as a DJ, and he's mm. now retired and he's gone back to being a, a DJ up in Liverpool I forget what what radio station he works for mm. and then uh, there's a lost history of a club called the Click Club in um, Birmingham with uh, Paul Long who we mentioned who mm-hmm. although Paul's from Birmingham he's just actually moved to Australia um, to take a new role and uh, Sarah Rain from Birmingham City University they've mm-hmm. written a chapter on this this venue the Click Club which was a venue, an iconic venue in the 90s. And the last one um, is written by a guy called Dave Allen on um, the lost musical history, histories of uh, popular music making in uh, Portsmouth. So they're all places that, um, and Liverpool aside, I suppose, but they've tended to be places that have been written out of the history of popular music. You don't hear Merthyr Tidville mentioned much. You don't hear Evervale. You don't hear Aberdeen. Aberdeen no. uh, Birmingham's not mentioned a great deal apart from heavy metal. Yeah. You know, um, Ozzy Osbourne and yeah. Black Sabbath and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be a contribution to the debate on how we need to start 
engaging with local, not just famous bands, but local bands that have made their way in these things. So you said you had a bad memory, but you remembered all of that. Yeah, I don't know how I've done that. It's quite scary, <laughs> you actually. You did well there. So, I, yeah, I'm yeah. quite proud of myself for that one. Uh, and and you also mentioned, I think there was an, uh, the 30th of January event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 30th of January, the the one of the projects I'm working on starting January hmm. is um, a special edition of the journal Popular Music Education. And uh, I've been asked to co-edit a collection of essays with um, uh, Professor Helena Gaunt, who's the principal of the Royal Welsh College. And uh, just an opportunity came up. I, I've already got most of the authors for this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the 30th of January, uh, we're, um, we're presenting early drafts of the papers um, all sorts of different things. Um, you know, it's not just education in the traditional sense, mm. uh, i.e. the school curriculum or higher education or further education, but it's it's looking at education in the community. How do, how do we become educated by popular music, mm. both inside traditional circles, but also outside of them? Um, so we've got a, a whole load of speakers uh, lined up for that. So it's, yeah, just to say that it's on the uh, 30th of January, like you said. Um, you can actually book up a ticket if you. Um, uh, we might be able to stick it on the, on the on the website. It's yeah, a, sure, we could. It's an event bride or something, is it? Yeah, oh. it's it, it's part of the immersed festival. Yeah. Um, and Richard Ashcroft from the Verve is headlining that. Um, Damon's mate. Yeah, Damon's mate, um, Mr. Manchella's best buddy. Yeah. Uh, so they're headlining. But during the day, we've got this popular music uh, symposium, which has taken place between 9.30 and uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, so the, there's limited spaces. It's it's £5 to get in. Yeah. All the money goes to the Teenage um, Cancer Trust. And it includes um, refreshments as well. So it's a, it's, it's a bargain and... Hopefully we, we, we can get some people along to that as well as turning up for the gig. Now, I brought a guitar along, thinking I know, know your, your, your prowess as a guitarist, but yeah. sadly you've, you've, you've seriously damaged your main playing finger. I have, yeah. So we can't do any playing. Yeah, I, next. Hope, I hope you'll come in again. I'd love to. And um, uh, maybe even with Chrissy Jenkins would be, would be, would be lovely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have you back for that. Um, it's a podcast, so it's kind of timeless, really. But if you're looking ahead to anything in the next year in terms of, um, I don't know, music and life in general, etc., anything which is, what, 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 what are you looking for? What am I doing? To? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mentioned you off air before we started when you showed me the guitar, and then I showed you my finger. Yes, I'm going to do some um, work over the Christmas and hopefully into the new year to try and get back into my guitar playing because um, uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to lose that but no I suppose my main concern in the early parts of the year will be um, doing the final um, confirming the final proofs on the um, the Broomsbury Handbook of Rock Music Research um, making sure that uh, we uh, get the uh, popular music education um, journal written and published and I I've got a monograph 
floating around in my head but I don't want to say what it is yet because I I need to give it a little bit more thought but I I want to start working on uh, another monograph and for that I may need to probably will need to get some uh, assistance from someone like the Arts Humanity Research Council uh, to get into it so yeah, that's what's floating around at the minute. But at the minute, I'm mainly thinking of mince pies and Santa Claus movies. Well then, well then. <laughs> well, Paul, hopefully, as I say, we'll see you again and uh, here and, and hopefully playing some music. I was just thinking in my head then, wouldn't it be great if you, had, well, you get your finger working properly, get the guitar going, Chrissy doing a bit of percussion in the corner. How nice would that be? It would be great. We'll do that. Anyway, Paul Carr, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, Steve.